listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Retro Guardians. I'm Jay. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about a bit of a satirical comedy from 1989 called Weekend at Boonies. Now, do you remember this one, Ben? I do remember this one. It was, uh, yeah. there are actually two Weekend Boonie movies. Yeah, and they were both written by the same man, if I remember correctly. Robert Klein. Yes. Mm. Interesting movie, um, released in 1989, I'm not sure what year it was released in Australia, presumably the same year or maybe the year after, I'm not sure. I think it was around that time, maybe late 89, early 90, but it was very close to that, yes. Mm. Um, I think, I, I actually remember this one quite well, we hired it at the video store that was down from the bottom block um, in our hometown near the plane right down there. I, I always struggle to remember what video store it was. I have a feeling it was Video World's second store. Um, but could be Was wrong. it Video Vibe? No, no, I, definitely not that one. That was in the top block. This one, I think it was Video yeah. World. They had two stores at one stage, one in its main store and another one a little bit further down the main street. Anyway, I think that was it. I remember hiring it there with Dad um and going back home watching it and i, I thought it was hilarious um as a kid so when was that 1989 we probably would have been eight, eight or nine eight or nine years old and it to an eight or nine year old it was absolutely hysterical um watching it now I, look it's funny but i don't find it as hilarious as i did as a kid i know what, what you mean what are your what you your memories of weekend at bernie's I didn't see it straight away. It was, um, I think, in the early 90s at some point. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, at the time I found it funny. Same thing with the second one. But, yeah, in retrospect, watching now, not as funny. It still has its moments, yeah. both of them. But, but no, I agree with you. It, it, it's some kind of humour that fits to that sort of age yeah. group and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It and was a smash hit. I do remember that because it was a movie everyone was talking about. Correct. Yeah, so grossed. 30 mil on a 15 mil budget, so made double, which is good, and that sort of led it into its, um, you know, its sequel. So for those that aren't familiar with Weekend at Bernie's, it's uh, the tagline of the movie says, Bernie Lomax would be the perfect host, except for one small thing, he's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> in summary, it's about a um, high-level sort of finance executive who's been swindling the books, putting some money into his own Sorry. hip pocket. Yep, and I guess he gets what's coming to him. And uh, uh, look, his couple of hotshot employees um, find a, be uh, a bit of a paper trail of him swindling money. And they initially didn't realise that it was actually him doing it. Uh, so they've gone to him thinking that they're going to get a promotion, only for him to be a little bit pissed off and wanting to organise a hit on them. So he invites them along to a party at his beach house with lots of half-naked women. And uh, someone beats uh, beats the boys there and uh, gives old Bernie a bit of uh, 
a high dose of heroin, didn't they? Knock, knocked him off yes. the perch, so to speak. Yes. And then the rest of the movie is essentially these guys propping up this dead man and pretending he's alive. Yeah, and so they can enjoy their moment of a weekend. Yeah. So, look, that's a little bit of a taboo topic, isn't it, these days to sort of, uh, you know, have a dead man and drag him along to parties and stuff. I I can't imagine movies really doing that these days. Yeah, it was never taken serious, but the yeah. the the because it was a comedy. That was the whole point of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do agree with you. There's no way in hell you could make that now. No, yeah, and, it even... work, and it wouldn't also be pop, a popular or successful on the level that it was. No, I think there was even a scene where one lady takes him to bed, and you, you know what? But uh, you know, he was dead. Yeah, we never so... know what happened. No, we but it's implied. It's implied. You know. Yeah. So I mean, to, in today's day and age, that wouldn't fly. No, 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 no. Now, the other unique thing is the director of the first one, Joe. Uh, is that Ted Kotcheff? Yeah. Mm. Ted's background is very different to comedy. He actually directed First Blood. Okay. With the first Rambo. Yeah. Hmm. And he'd also done, if I'm not mistaken, a very successful Australian little classic in the early 70s called Wake and Fright. Mm. He'd done very serious, dramatic sort of, thriller action kind of stuff he'd done one other comedy called fun with dick and jane the late 70s but most of his stuff was a bit more yeah not not on that level so i find it unique that they got him to direct it Mm. well there you go it shows he must be versatile in directing comedy and other more serious stuff i also believe he's still alive i think he's in his late 80s okay so i do believe there was some incident or something that he didn't get um Royalty checks from this for a while. I, I think it has been sorted or something. I'm not 100, percent but there was something on that level because it, it. I, I the gross that you just set out before was that just for America? That it, with the money well, it made. I think it was worldwide, from what I could see. But I do notice that there was a comment here that in 2014. Um, so what's that? Some, jeez, nearly like 10 years, years ago. Yeah, but like 30 years after the movie was made. Um, uh, the director, Ted, and screenwriter Robert Klein actually filed a lawsuit against MGM and 20th Century Fox for breach of contract for profits, which they claimed they were owed, which I yeah, found that's... interesting for so long after the fact. Yeah, because I got a feeling there were a heap of films I remember hearing about this happen with. Mm. And I remember hearing Richard Donner talk about the first lethal weapon, even though it made decent money at the cinema, it was syndication and everything else afterwards. It made even more money. Mm. So it's same thing. You think about that, especially what we were just talking about back in the day. That film was on television every now and again. I do remember on, on the other channels, we didn't have it. Yeah. But I would not be shocked if it was on there, you know, every so often somewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think oh. I have a feeling it is on um, some of the streaming platforms at the moment. Yeah. So that, that's where it's going to make a bit of money from. Yeah. Now, I, now uh, let's just have a quick talk about both the uh, leading men. Ah, oh, yep. Um, now, they are... Is that Andrew McCarthy and John Jonathan Silverman? Correct. Yeah. I don't know them. Andrew is a part of the Brat Pack. I believe he was in St. Elmo's Fire. I believe he'd done a few other little things in there as well. This was his big, big hit. I mean, he still works to this day, a lot of independent stuff mm. and television. But that he, he was... He was 
this was his big, big deal movie. I mean, everyone knows him from this. Okay. Jonathan's the same. A lot of serious stuff and um, a lot of comedy, a lot of television as well, but same thing. This was their sort of high, heightened peak for both of them, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And they still pop up to this day. Every now and again, I'll see them in something. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, I, I was the sequel three years later? Yeah, so I was going to talk about the sequel. I think... Um... Uh, now, Weekend at Bernie's 2 was 93, so about four yeah, years four, later. Four years, yeah. So it's the same dudes, the same two dudes. Um, yeah. This one was and interesting. And also, hang on, we left out someone. Who? Bernie. Oh, of course, Mr. Lomax. Um, Played by Terry. Terry Kaiser? Yeah. Terry, I know for three films. Mm. This, this, this and the sequels uh, are not a part of it. But Terry did a film with Kenny Rogers back in the early 80s called The Six Pack. Mm-hmm. which was one of the first movies I saw Diane Lane in and Anthony Michael Hall in. And I believe, Jay, he was our favourite psychiatrist from a certain Friday the 13th, yeah, part seven, New Blood. Yeah, I don't remember him from that, but yeah. Now I've told you that, you can go back and have a look. But he was the same, it. he did a lot of television, and I believe he's in his 80s now, and he's still going. yeah, still alive. Hmm. Yep. So, so part... But this- this, what I was about to say, is his famous role, yet he doesn't really do a, a lot of talking and, and no, actual activities, but everyone remembers start. him for this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that I find that interesting that that's what his claim to fame is. Yeah. And the second one, so let's just quickly talk about that. So basically the same two dudes, they realised that this money was in some offshore Virgin Island bank account that he swindled from the first one. So they're off to look for it. And also However, uh, some mobsters are also looking for it. Um, and, and a voodoo priestess. Correct. So the mobsters have used voodoo to reanimate Bernie um, so he can go but into the bank and wrong. get his money. Yes. So they lose the sacrificial chook. and Instead, they use a pigeon, which it's unfortunately pigeon, has... Which uh, I remember them going <laughs> cock-a-doodle-doo when they grabbed the pigeon. Yeah, it stuffed but up their little, uh, you know... Ceremony. Uh, ceremony. So that meant that Bernie would only reanimate when he was listening to certain... Uh, Rastafarian style music, wasn't it? Any so. mu- kind of music with a bounce, if I seem to remember correctly, it's that kind of music. There's a really good scene when he, one of them figures it out. He says, "All right, turn the music on," and he turns it on <laughs> and he start gyrating and get up, and then he goes <laughs> off and he, he drops. Off, he slams his face. It's like uh, on, off. He said he can only yes. do it when he hears the music. Yep. And there's a really good moment in the film. That any time he's present with music, like a conga line starts behind yeah, him in one right. scene. Because On the, the beach music's and around, stuff. things like that. Yeah. But there's a really good scene when, because this is the thing that you and I think about now, how do you put a body in a bag and get it through customs? And oh, as man. one of them says, it's not customs, it's it's still America. So they're able to get through the, the airport without a problem. But when they're dragging the bag through, there's music in the background, so there's oh, tapping no. on the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of those jokes. And I think they even put a headset on him, didn't they, and played music just to yeah. keep him running. And yeah, it's <laughs> so it was money. very different. Now, there was one in one of them. I can't remember if it was the first or the second. He, he lost his hair or his wig or something, and they've used like a staple first gun. One. Was that the first, first one? one and they, yeah. they've used like a staple gun to staple this uh, toupee on his head. I'll never forget that. Like, I that has stuck in my head since the 90s when I first watched this. Well, the thing that sticks with me now. He would start deteriorating and start getting, you know, rotten and everything. Well, exactly quickly. right. So the, this is why the, this is the this is the part of it that's not really accurate, isn't it? No, but the first film, it's all two days, and then the second one is supposedly the two days after that. 
and there's a scene when they get him out of the bag and he's ponging and they use air yeah, freshener. Yeah, I remember that. That was the second one, wasn't it? Yeah, and then they, they empty out a small um, bar fridge and they put him in that. Yeah, that's And the reason right. they need him, they need him visually to, to open the this account, this, yeah. this safety deposit box. And how they do that is they do him up like he's got a bad tooth mm. and then they, they're both sort of using him like a puppet sort of thing that one of them's got his hand through the coat to oh, pretending man. to be Bernie's hands. <laughs> and they're both walking on both sides of him. Yeah, and yep. uh, that scene I love. I really like that the most. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you just want to giggle, if you just want to, you know, not think about anything and just have a giggle, that's what these films are. I yeah, mean, don't right. put a lot don't, of thought. Don't into take it. them that's too the, serious, you know. In real right. life, you'd have rigor mortis. You wouldn't be able to move him. He wouldn't be all floppy, and he'd be smelly and de- decomposing. But so just put that out of your mind and just watch it for a bit of a laugh. See, the yeah. logical stuff that we now have at our age uh, affects certain films. For example, I can't watch Home Alone 2 and not think about if that was now, there's no way he'd get oh, lost on a plane with Homeland Security no. post 9-11. It would not happen. You know, things like that now, you're like, oh, cop, that's not going to happen for this reason. Yeah. But the second one, it, it wasn't as popular as the first. Um, no, so that it, was pretty much the end of the, the, the yeah, franchise right was. there. The budget was 15 we, to $17 million. It only pulled in $12 mil on the box office. So not great. No, but also I think, what else can you do with him? So I don't think you could have done a third movie. No, no way. way. It'd be, yep. As they say, the decomposition would be uh, just something you couldn't couldn't really pass by so i guess the the public sort of reception is interesting so rotten tomatoes are showing about a 54 percent approval rating um which is look i mean it's different um different type of movie so it has a different type of score i guess really um but but there is one thing i've got to mention quickly too certain aspects of that time period you could not get away with either there's a guy trying to track him down in the second film uh barry i can't say barry's last name and he was the mayor in Spin City and he was in Rocky Horror and he's trying to catch them out that they're all in on it mm. and when they get the money they give it to him so they can prove they're innocent and there's a scene where he's taking photos of them and then every time a pretty girl walks by he suddenly takes a photo of them uh-huh. you know things like that yeah. couldn't do that now no, no, things have changed, haven't they? So, oh, sort of, a, even Meter Critic is saying a score of thirty-two out of a hundred. So, look, it's not, it's not great. Um, Rolling Stone have called the film tasteless and crude, um, but felt in the end it was sort of a impossible dro- joke to drag around for you know hours and hours and making it a bit unrealistic. Um, and I think. Uh, another critic has given it like one out of four stars and so look it was <laughs> it wasn't really received that well um, but as but you it's say it's become a cult thing yeah it has it was years later obviously that this has sort of come out of the woodwork and regained popularity i um, think during covid i think a lot more people went back and just what we just said yeah, we, we just we, watched old stuff you know yes and i think that's why this resurgence of the 80s has also come on so strong now because everyone's realizing what nostalgia actually does for you and also how powerful it is yep yep and often today like i'll be just having jokes and talking to people and and people still mention weekend at bernie's you know like they they mention about you know this body that was propped up and dragged around and stuff you know like they'll just use that in daily conversation and jokes so it is interesting to hear people sort of talk about that and remember it 
or like the scene in the first film when he's got uh, he, Andrew's got him propped up outside out in the sun, and he's rigged up his hand with a, a wire so that he could wave. Yeah. And every time, but there's flies start to get on him, no, so he's got the fly swatter out, hits them, and yeah. things like that. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. You know yeah. that really takes that to the next level. And I did have a bit of a chuckle at the end when they're trying to put poor Bernie in the ambulance, and his gurney rolls away and runs down the boardwalk, sending him flying in air and. Props down on the sand, sitting behind the the boys. the boys, and they turn around and scream and run off when they see him there. So uh, I did have a good chuckle at that. It is, it is well, just a, well the hit, the hitman who thinks he's killed him and yet he keeps popping up. Yeah. you know he, he has a mental breakdown. You know, <laughs> thinking he, he's killed him and yet he keeps popping up. That and was really. I think funny he too. unloaded another six shots in him or something at the end. Didn't yeah, he? and he's like. I'm blind, and then when the boy, he looks at the boys, the boys, he goes, I didn't see anything, and, the other, and Andrew's like, yeah, I'm blind. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, God, how screwed they I are. I think they actually took him away in a straitjacket at the end, didn't they, when he went mad, the old... Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, was funny. And um, I can't remember where they shot it, but it, I, I, I believe it was somewhere where it was just easier for filming locations to work. Mm. And so it wouldn't be surprised me if it was somewhere off California or somewhere like that. Now, mm. I think with the second one, was it Haiti or Trinidad or somewhere like that? They they filmed because of, that's where or the Caymans, like you said. Yeah, I think it was set in like the the Virgin Islands. I don't know where they actually filmed it though. Whether yeah, it was there, or... Haiti's where Voodoo comes from, mm. so it had that whole Voodoo connection. Mm. And um, I can't remember the name of the two guys in the second one that that sort of the, the henchman for the Voodoo lady. But I've oh, seen them yeah. in stuff too, and I believe one of them I remember seeing in some of the Canon action films in the um, in the eighties. Uh, yep, yep. Just can't think of his name off the top of my head, and uh, I'm just going to look that up myself, Jay. Mm. Just one uh, second. Was that Gary? That Gary Dorden guy? Gary Dorden was in CSI, and Gary plays one of the 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 hitmen for the Voodoo Priestess. Oh, yeah. And that was one of his first roles, I believe. Yep. But uh, no, no, there was two other guys. Okay. Just let me uh, just... Yeah, no, look, I, I didn't mind it. I think the second one also copped a lot of negative reviews, like a 10% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's even worse. So. Oh, yeah, uh, the second one copped it more. I do know yeah, that. Yeah, sure did. It really copped it hard. Um, but look, I, I think it was good. I, I've actually got the second one on VHS, and I think that makes it a little bit better watching it with all that crackle and pop from the good old classic VHS. Uh, uh, now I remember. Now I remember. Mm. It was Stephen James. Steve James was in Delta Force. He was in several of the American Ninjas. A lot of stuff at Canon. Mm. And I do believe, sadly, he was dying while they were making this movie. He had cancer. It was one of yeah, his last so he jobs. Died he died at 41, uh, 41 years of age in 93. Yeah, yeah. and he was, he was a fit guy, man. You see this mm. guy, he had his shirt off half the time in those movies. Mm. And sadly, yeah, he, he died. I remember him. He was originally supposed to be Jax for the first Street uh, Mortal Kombat movie in 95, but because he was dying, no. Nah, couldn't do it mm. so they had to rewrite jacks out of that script because originally they wanted him because he was so buff in that and um the other bloke uh i think it's tom wright his name is okay. just seeing i said he's another guy i've seen a lot of television uh, a lot of films i'm just trying to yeah i just look at his geez jay he's got a long ah he played the hitchhiker in the second creep show that's what i was trying to think of but he's another guy that just done so many sort of like 
movie t- TV roles. He worked a lot. I think he even did an appearance in CSI himself. Hmm. And that, so, I mean, this guy worked a lot. So I just remember guys like that, those kind of character actors and that, that always popped up in everything. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think the Washington Post, they've even said if the premise of the first film was mindless and repetitive, it's double in the second time around. So and they gave it an F. So, yeah, oh. it uh, it really copped it hard. So, look, I, I think, folks, this movie's definitely not one that's going to, well, part one and part two, but more so part two, is not a movie that's going to be hitting any uh, massive milestones or receiving any amazing scores or being on the Hollywood Walk of Fame or anything, but it's um, it's a good laugh. It is a good laugh. I'm just trying to remember with, with Jonathan. Yeah. And the other two things I can remember Jonathan in were, um, or oh, three things. He was in the second Caddyshack, which I think was made the year before um, Weekend of Bernie's. And he was in De- Death Becomes Her, which he made just before Weekend of Bernie's 2. And I think he was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which was a mid-80s movie. With That's the first time I saw Jesse, Sarah Jessica Parker and Helen Hunt. And it sort of tapped into the whole the, the premise of that song at the time in the 80s of dancing and all that for, for young girls and just like a niche sort of um, movie at the time. But that's where he first started. With Andrew, like I said, it was... It was um, I said it was uh, St. Elmo's Fire. He was in Pretty in Pink. That was the other one I was trying to think of. Oh, okay. And he was also in Less Than Zero. And they were very big milestone 80s movies. But he went on to still do television. And I just read here that he actually was a director later on and actually worked as a director on the show Orange is the New Black. So, I mean, he still works. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen him in, in recent years, but I know he's still out there. I mean, a lot of movies, even in the 90s, Joe, I've just flipped open the 90s stuff he was in. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah, apparently I mean, there was reg- even a um, Broadway musical adaptation of this. I had no idea. I had no idea you could do a, 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 a musical yeah. on that. That just doesn't make me go anyway. But I think, having a, and I think they, they sort of say that the, the key under tones of this movie is themes of loyalty trust and friendship because of the two guys that sort of go you know they're initially reluctant but it just shows how they sort of stick together and do their best to protect each other and get through it so it's sort of got those underlying tones really but i'm just looking at andrew um oh my his directing career too yeah a lot of television especially in the last 10 years but he still works as an actor i mean there's still a few things here even up until the last five years jay so i mean he hasn't stopped which is good but definitely it goes to show you that the guys are resilient when it comes to working. But no, no, it's still a title you can drop. For example, I remember seeing an episode of Friends where the, the uh, Chandler and Joey were playing trivia with Monica and Rachel. And um, Ross is the sort of uh, the master of ceremonies and he goes, what is Rachel's actual favourite a fake movie that she says is actually a favourite, and, and he says, Dangerous Liaisons, and he goes, but what is the real title? And he says, Weekend at Bernie's. So, I mean, there, there's still name drops of it here and there, and it's still sort of known within the public consciousness as that. So even if you don't know the movie, you know the title. Yeah, that's it. So overall, Weekend at Bernie's is a fun and entertaining movie that is sure to make you laugh. So whether you're a fan of slapstick comedy or just looking for something to watch on, I guess, a lazy Sunday afternoon, I would say this is definitely a a worthwhile watch. What would you get the first one, Joe, out of 10? First one, I'm going to give it a a four. Like, 
nothing that sets the world on fire, but uh, I give the first a one a six. Okay, yep. But the second one, I definitely give a four. Yeah, second one, I'm going with a three. I'm probably a bit more of a hard marker than you, but uh, um, maybe I was a little bit low on that first movie score. But uh, anyway, we'll stick with that. Oh, all good, but all good. don't don't let the low score put you off. I, I would still suggest it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it, just for a laugh. And just to see what all the talk is about. Mm, exactly. Well, thanks for listening. And thank you for enjoying us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, love to hear what you think of Weekend at Bernie's. If you've seen it or if you haven't and you do decide to watch it, let us know what you think. Um, Retro Guardians podcast on Facebook. Find our last little post uh, where we've put the link up to this episode and uh, put a comment on it. That'd be great to hear from you. Love to hear from you. All right. Until next week. I'm Ben. I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Retro Guardians. Goodbye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Retro Guardians.